Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Welcome to Collective. If we never met before, my name is Tyler. I think even watching that and and feeling some of that anxiety even rise, all the things, all the noise, all the stuff that we constantly hear and yet finding it in ourselves, we go, I don't know that it's causing me to thrive. I want to do something different today than we normally do. So uh, I want to just give you a little bit of coaching. Uh, Resist the urge to read your handout too far. So if you don't trust yourself, flip it upside down, uh, because we'll get to it afterwards. Um, But I want to do something different, because I think that we have a unique opportunity as we start a new year to look back so that we can look forward, or look back so that we can move forward. And I want to leverage a Sunday like this with a group like you that are here that have made the time and effort to come for us to do something unique together. I want us to reflect on our previous year and where we want to go. And if you are new or fairly new to Collective and you're wondering, is this going to be the new reality? We're getting handouts all the time? No. So this is a one-off thing, I think. Who knows? (laughs) But there's gonna, it's a little bit different than typically what I would even do because this will be a lot more interactive uh, in the sense, not that I want you to necessarily yell things at me, but interactive in the sense that you're going to have to reflect and, and do some response work. Um, I want to pray for us before this and pray for this time. God, in these moments, I pray that you would still us, that you would quiet the noise that your still small voice would become louder. God, help us to hear what you're trying to say to us. For those of us in the room that are uncomfortable with reflection or uncomfortable with, with thinking about why we think like we think and thinking through all of the areas that maybe we'd like to avoid, God, I pray that you'd give us courage and discernment. God, I pray that you would guide us, speak to us, change us, Do what only you can do and transform our lives that we become more and more like your son, Jesus. God, we love you. We need you. I need you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want you for a moment, and you don't have to do it out loud, but if you need to close your eyes for a second, that's okay. I want you to reflect on 2022. I want you to think about who you were at the beginning. Can anyone remember the beginning of 2022? Feels like four years in one. Each of the last three years has felt... Like, just a blur. I go, like, what was last January? But I want you to think about yourself at the beginning of the year and yourself now and and ask the question, "Am am I content with who I've become this year? Do I like who I've become? Am I happy with who I've become? Do I look back and go, I look... I look at my life and I'm more like Jesus. I'm more, I've grown, I've matured. Or do you look at your life and go, this year wasn't a kind one to me. Or this year I took some real steps backwards. 
This year, I really slid into some things, or I found myself stuck. I want you to think about this last year. There's a, a book that is incredibly uh, important to me. I, I was thinking back to when I first read it, and when I did my master's, we moved to Calgary in 2014, something like that, and I did my master's at a school called Ambrose, and the first class was on spiritual formation. And what's so fascinating, and, and maybe you've experienced this, you learn something, and you don't realize how profound it is until you relearn it again, and you go, oh, man, yes. And so I, I read this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro. And I think that this book is really valuable for anyone that would call themselves a follower of the way of Jesus, that seeks to apprentice themselves under Jesus, that allows Jesus to speak to all areas of their life. And Pete Scazzaro points out something that I have seen. He points out that we can experience spiritual maturity or at least external spiritual maturity. So we can know the right things. We can know the right facts. We can use the right words. We can appear like we are pretty spiritual and yet be emotionally really unhealthy. So we can be people that talk and understand the versions of love that Jesus presents and not be a person transformed by his love. We can be people that say, you know what, I understand that God brings us peace and not ourselves be people of peace. There can be a disconnect. And so we can know about Jesus and we can know about him and understand more but yet find ourselves struggling in some of the emotional parts of ourself, in how we interact with others, in how we view ourselves, in how we live our lives in a way that is discordant. And I want you to understand that Jesus' way of life is whole. It's not just one area. Jesus is not just concerned about your spiritual health. He's concerned about you as a whole being. And he wants to speak to each area of you. There's no area of your life that he goes, you know what, I don't care about that. It's all of it. And so Pete Scazzaro talks about the importance for us and the gap of this emotionally healthy spirituality. And the truth is, for so many of us, we have real baggage in our lives. We have stuff that really impacts us. We've had messed up families, messed up relationships, messed up friendships, messed up situations in our life, and we carry that baggage with us. It impacts our lives, whether we know it or not. And what's so interesting about any of those kind of woundings is that they impact our lives, and we don't maybe even notice it, but people around us always do. And we treat people differently, and we respond differently, and we have this stuff that we haven't actually worked through. We've had well-meaning people, people that love us, that speak lies over us, that say things to us that we internalize and treat like it is truth. We've all had people in our lives that don't wish us well, that say hard and harmful things that we carry with us. That's why you talk to people that are in their 50s that still think about the bully when they were in elementary school. Stuff that people say that we don't actually deal with. We don't work through healing that area of our life and we experience that harm and pain and we compartmentalize it and we go, no, I'll be fine, I'll just fake it till I make it, but that does not work. What happens is we hit a point in our lives where some of the lies that we've heard or believe, they shape our stories. 
They shape how we view God. They shape how we view ourselves. They shape how we relate to others. They impact us negatively. And the truth is, and especially in the busyness of our life and the tendency to avoid, we avoid actually doing the deep work of working through any of those things. We avoid actually confronting how that's impacted us and finding healing. And, and the struggle that I see is that I think for so many of us, it's, it's just been easier to just blame shift. Well, you know, my parents were like this. They never said kind things to me. Or I had this relationship, and it was awful and abusive and toxic. And I had these friendships, and they were terrible and awful. But at some point, we can't blame everyone else. And I don't want to dismiss that those things are real. People have hurt each of us. But at some point, we have to be adults and own we are responsible for how we respond to that. That we choose how we move forward. And I think one of the challenges for us is we, we kind of become this victim of our circumstances and we don't, in fact, go, yeah, I was at times a victim, but I don't have to continue to be that. That does not have to be my future. That when we follow Jesus, that we are actually inviting him to bring healing into our lives and to tell a different story than maybe we've been telling in our own life. That our past doesn't have to define us, but Jesus can. But if we think that we can move towards that without dealing with our past, I think we're missing out. And I think that's where we find ourselves. I think for so many of us, we avoid those things because they are hard and, and challenging and difficult, and we just move forward thinking, you know what, I'll just, it'll, it'll just get better. It'll just somehow work out, and yet it doesn't. We can't pretend like the past doesn't affect us. I don't want us to live there, but I do want us to acknowledge the impact it has on shaping us to become who we are. The reality is that we share, we carry our baggage with us until we face it or work through it. That's why we find people that they always go, well, if I just go to this new job, that'll solve all my problems. Or if I just find a new relationship, that'll solve all my problems. And they continue to carry it with them. If I just go to a new church, that'll fix everything. If I just move to a new place, that'll fix everything. And what you realize is that person continues to repeat the same pattern over and over and over again. And if we're being honest, all of us have areas in our life where that is a reality, and a struggle. And some of us have worked through that and some of us have avoided it. And I want us to take steps towards actually confronting and working through those areas of our life. And I wanna use Romans 12, one to two as, as a helpful framework for us, as a reminder for why this matters. And before I dig into the text, I wanna share with you, if you've ever read the message the message is a paraphrase written by someone named Eugene Peterson. And Eugene Peterson was a pastor, he was also a scholar, and he wrote the message, I think in the 80s, to, to make the Bible accessible to people. It was not meant to be uh, the ultimate translation, it was meant to paraphrase and make it easy to read and engage with Scripture. And so he took this passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and he paraphrases it like this. He says, here's what I want you to do. This is, this is him paraphrasing what Paul is writing to the church in Romans. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God always brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, even just in his paraphrase, there's a lot of beauty in it. Take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God. This is the invitation for us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. And at the end, there's this line that I think is so significant to us in our cultural moment. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity. Now, you may have heard that before. Maybe you're going, I'm not even sure what he's paraphrasing. So let me share what it says in the New Living Translation. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the NLT says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Give your bodies, all of you, to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Even when I think about the end, that you'll learn to know God's will for you, I think about all the people that I've talked to that are going, how do I figure out God's will? Well, here we find it. That we invite God to change the way that we think from the inside out by giving all of us to him. And if you've spent any time in church, maybe you know this, this verse like I do. I, I have it in my head. I constantly think of it in the NIV because that's what I grew up I grew up with. In the NIV, it says this in verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want us to embrace this. I want us to embrace this act of renewing our mind, to take this seriously, to take Paul's words to, to, Romans, to, the, to the Roman church seriously. And I, I think about this other, this other section that Paul writes in, in Romans, and he says, I don't do the things that I want to do, and I don't get it, and I don't do the things I don't, I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't understand myself. And I think so many of us find us in this place where we're reflecting on our lives, going, "How come it doesn't look like what I want it to look like?" And sometimes we just go, "I don't know. <laughs> Move on." And there's an invitation here for us to actually consider what does it look like to to think about those things, to reflect and to renew our mind, to change our thinking, to change the way that we, that we formulate how we live in a way that actually changes us. I want us to take some time to think about how we think. In the New Living Translation, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Can you imagine if that actually was happening in our lives? I want us to think about the way that we think. I want us to consider the, 
the, the way that we think about even the things that we feel. I want us to, to ultimately ask more questions of ourselves. To ask our question, like, what would it look like to integrate the question why into our, into our daily lives? Why am I responding like this? Why am I doing this? Why am I not doing this? To constantly actually create space to ask questions and to challenge the way that we think and live. For example, when you feel anxious, think about moments that you feel anxious and then think about how you respond. All of us have, we have healthy responses to anxiety and we have unhealthy responses to anxiety. But do you think, why am I responding like this? Do you ever just think about when you're dealing with something difficult or challenging and you feel criticized, do you ever think about how you respond and then go, why am I responding like this? Why am I feeling like this? What am I noticing? What am I hearing? Like for us to actually be people that reflect meaningfully on what we do. What about when things don't work out like we think they should? I mean, all of us have things in our mind where you go, it's going to be this, it's going to definitely look like this, and then it doesn't. What do you do when, it, when things don't work out like you expect they will? How do you respond? Is it healthy or unhealthy? And have you ever asked yourself, why do I respond when things don't measure up to what I expect them to look like? Why, why do I respond like that? This question of why is so significant and can be significant. There's a, a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek, and he's talking about it from a leadership perspective for us to use why to drive us. But I go, I think the question of why can be so incredibly value for us to actually get to the root of where our wounds are, our challenges are, the lies we believe, the areas that we don't trust God and trust Jesus, I think why actually helps us to begin to get to the root of the things that are plaguing us and harming us. When you have conflict in your life, when there's something unspoken, I want you to think about how you respond and then ask the question, why am I responding like this? Why do I feel like this? For us to be people that are constantly thinking and, and reflecting and allowing God's word to challenge us to think through our responses. Because the truth is that we can't control every single feeling we ever have. Like it's not like we can go, well, as long as I can just avoid everything or I should just feel like a stoic where I'm just, I'm just dead inside. And so people say stuff and I go, it doesn't matter to me. Talk like a robot. That's not the reality. We can't control all the feelings we feel, but we can, and, and the circumstances we face, but we can control our responses. And we can begin to filter through our responses and go, is this healthy, helpful, shaped and formed by Jesus, or is this from a place of my woundedness, my weakness, my brokenness, my past? So for so many of us, we have these areas that we notice, you know, I, I don't respond well to that. And, and I think that it's, it's so easy for us to become distracted and not actually investigate and prayerfully go, God, what, what, why am I like this? Why am I doing this? And what are you trying to say to me? Now, let me just share some of the exa some examples in my life where I, I, I've done some thinking and work through how I've responded and my response to 
some of the difficult feelings or challenges that I've faced and where I found areas that I have not responded well. The first one is we lived in Calgary for uh, five years, and it was, a, it was difficult. Uh, we moved to a brand new city. I was working at a church. I was also doing my master's. We had uh, Ava and Parker, so there was lots going on, and then we dealt with some difficult challenges. And I was really reflecting, and this is something, if you spent time with me, you'll hear me ask, where I was reflecting on, what are the things that give me life? Like, what are the the activities or the people? Like, what do I do that I find that God shows up and restores my soul? And I was really struggling to find those things. There were certain people that I'd spend time with that brought me closer to Jesus that would give me life, but it was hard to find those areas, and so... I talked to Lee, and I was like, hey, and I don't know that I set her up super well for it, but I was like, when, when do you notice I'm happiest? Like, when do you notice I'm, I'm happiest? And she's like, when you eat chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, can I go get some? Can I go buy some chocolate? She's like, go for it. Now, there's a degree that you're like, okay, yeah, eating chocolate. But, but think, think through that just like I, I was reflecting on what that, what that meant. So chocolate, when you eat chocolate, it gives you a little boost, right? A little bit of dopamine, a little bit of serotonin, where you feel this, this temporary elevation, this mood boost. Now, we would call that, what, uh, eating your feelings, right? So I face something difficult, and I go, chocolate would make this better. But what does it do? It's a, it's a temporary thing. And it's interesting when I reflect on it because I go, it's not just a temporary thing. Honestly, it's a numbing thing. It's like I just want to feel better for a little bit. I, I just want to, I just, I'm dealing with all this stuff and it's really difficult, but I just, I want to feel better for a little bit. I want to just feel good right now. I, I don't want to deal with, I want to ignore what I'm feeling. I want to ignore the difficult things and I want to medicate with chocolate. And so honestly, I began to think through why. Because you can look at that and go, oh, who cares? Eat a little chocolate, whatever. But I was like, I think there's a pattern here that's not healthy. I think there's something here that the way that I'm coping with things that are difficult is not, uh, is not actually good. And so chocolate is like the tip of the iceberg. It's like, oh, whatever. Ha ha. Like we do that. We'll trivialize or like we'll laugh like, oh, whatever. But there's some stuff there below because I noticed other things. I noticed that if I was feeling a lot of stress and difficulty that I, I would find myself uh, binging Netflix or I'd find myself infinitely scrolling on my phone. I'd find myself trying to distract myself with more noise that was not helpful. I don't know if you can relate to that. Like you're feeling these feelings and you're, you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with and you just go, you know what I'm gonna do? I just need to lose myself in something else. I just need to, I just need to not think about the world around me and, and just be engrossed in my phone. So it's gonna be, I'm just gonna use this and then six hours later you're like, what did I do? Now, is chocolate inherently bad? no. Is your phone inherently bad? Kind of, but that's a different conversation. But what's really harmful is if we're not actually investigating our feelings, 
and we're not investigating our, our woundedness and we're not investigating our responses and we're numbing it. And I think for so many of us, and I'll just say it for me, that, that, that has been a, a, an area for me of growth and challenge and struggle of going when I'm feeling like I'm at the end of myself and I notice that, that I'm, 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 I'm just wrestling with my humanity and limits that I find myself trying to numb the discomfort. So I go, you know what, I'll eat some chocolate and I'll feel better. That's fine. Well, then I'll, I'll, I'll just watch something and I'll binge a show and, and I'll pretend like all my problems don't exist. But you know what's true? They don't go anywhere. They're still there at the end of it. And you've avoided actually, I have avoided actually dealing with the real root things. And and I'm someone too that's lived out in a family system where where that wasn't just numbing and and avoiding in, in innocuous ways, it actually blew up a marriage. And this is where it's the iceberg. There's these things at the top that you go, well, what I'm doing to deal with this is not that big of a deal. And it gets deeper and deeper and deeper in our coping structures and the way that we handle things and the way that we respond to difficulty and the way that we relate to other people becomes increasingly dysfunctional. And none of it reflects Jesus and his direction for our life. And so I began, I have begun this process of consistently asking myself, why, why do I do this? Why do I find this tendency to numb pain or avoid or distract myself? Why, why am I thinking like this? To think about my thinking, to, to think about my actions, to actually ask questions, not just go with the flow, The truth is that all of us have areas in our life where we find ourselves responding to things naturally in an unhealthy way, all of us. All of us have certain places in our life that you go, I don't want people to see that. I don't want to own that because it is not pretty. That's why for some of us, it's such a difficult thing to be known in community because there comes a point where you're actually known in community, where people go, ooh, And you're like, yeah, welcome to being human. Like the beautiful thing about humanity, me included, is I have some real great strengths and lots of weaknesses. And God meets me in the middle of that and redeems and restores in community to go, okay, I'm not just this, but I do have some things that he wants to work through. And so we do that together. All of us have areas in our life where we have dysfunctional patterns that are harming us And I would suggest, especially when it comes to our spiritual relationship, creating walls between us and God that we're not even aware of, and walls between us and others that create damage. Now, this idea, some authors give it a name. They call it your shadow. Your shadow, your shadow side. This language, maybe it's helpful for you, maybe it isn't, but, but this idea of our shadow, considering the parts of us that are not incredibly helpful or healthy, the parts that we would re- rather remain hidden or that impact us, whether intentionally or not. And so the author that I mentioned, Pete Scazzaro, this is how he defines your shadow. 
Your shadow is the accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts that while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. It is the damaged, most hidden version of who you are. Accumulation of untamed emotions, less than pure motives, and thoughts that while largely unconscious, strongly influence and shape your behaviors. That's why we find ourselves in these patterns that someone says something. Marriage is a great example of that. Lee could say something to me and I would hear it through a filter and lens. And I'd go, you said this. And she's like, that's not what I said. And you go, why? Because there's things internally that I have not worked through that when Lee says, I just go, well, you meant this and you meant this and you... And we all have those areas in our lives, these areas of shadow, our shadow side where we have thoughts and, and behaviors that, that we're not even necessarily thinking about, that they're impacting us, and we, there's damage, and it's hidden, and it harms. And I want us to think about our shadow. I want us to actually today notice and name our shadow. Pete Scazzaro says this about our shadow, and you'll see it. You can actually flip over and you can, look at your, you can look at your handout now. It says this, and I think that this is so significant. It says, one of the great truths of life is this. You cannot change what you're unaware of. However, once we acknowledge our shadow, both its root causes and expression, its power over us is diminished, if not Broken. Now, this concept is a deeply biblical concept. In James, it talks about us confessing our sins to one another because when we confess our sins to one another, they come into the light and they have no power anymore. And, and Pete Scazzaro is saying, when it comes to our spiritual life, we need to pay careful attention to those things that actually wound, the, the woundedness, the brokenness, and bring it out, name it, notice it, and then see it robbed of its power and watch God transform us and change us. And we can swim in the shallow, the shallow pool as Christians and, and know all sorts of things, but if we don't actually allow God to transform us from the inside out, we miss out on something significant. But if we are willing to name and identify our brokenness, our woundedness, and how it's impacting us, we can actually experience healing. And so my hope today is that we can begin that process. It's not, this is not gonna be one of those things that you go, we're gonna, three hours later, we'll have barely scratch the surface. I just, I, if nothing else, what I would love for each of us to do is just notice and name the area of our shadow and how it impacts how we, how we interact with others, ourself, and our work. I, I provided some examples on this, so don't, don't check anything off yet. And just as an aside, so I'll, I'll get you to, to, to reflect and then check something off, but some of you in the room, you're like every single one, like I'm the worst, I have all these areas, and my encouragement would be pick one or two. Pick one or two, and then other people in the room are like, nope, I'm great. And if you wanna be humbled, go talk to your spouse or someone that loves you, and later they'll tell you <laughs> some areas that you maybe are unaware of. 
But I want us to look at those, at, at three categories. But I want us to be reminded, why are we doing this? We're doing this because Romans reminds us that we renew our mind. And as we renew our mind, as we, as we bring in new ideas and new thoughts and new patterns of life, the way of Jesus into our life, that it begins to transform us from the inside out. So I gave a list of some things, and they're not exhaustive. I hit some things that I think I notice when I interact with people, areas that I notice are significant areas of challenge. So let's look at others first. Let's consider, okay, how does my shadow side, my woundedness, my weakness, my brokenness impact my relationship with others? First, around, the conf- around areas of conflict. Some of us have really healthy views of conflict, but some of us, we have two extremes, we got our, I won't ask you to say which one's you, <laughs> but some of us, we avoid conflict. Like things get tense and we're like, I am out. I'm avoiding it. I'm, I'm staying far away. And then others of us, we run straight into it. We bulldoze people and we, and we bring conflict into situations and we ratchet it up. Can I just let you know either of those? Not helpful. Both of those are harmful. We can spiritualize it and go, well, the person that's creating damage is really bad. No, the person that also is not bringing healing by dealing with it is is equally missing out. And so is maybe one of the areas of your shadow that you you avoid or you bulldoze when it comes to conflict. The next one, I, I think, is a significant one. What about how you view affirmation? When I think about our phones and social media, what it does, it's that ding, 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 look, I'm good enough. I remember having a cousin who, uh, if she didn't get a certain amount of likes on her Instagram photo, she would just take it down, right? There's like this threshold. Now think about what that does to us. We have a whole bunch of people that don't really know us very well telling us that we are good enough momentarily. There are those of us in the room that it's a real struggle for us that we go, I just need someone to tell, uh, tell me I'm good enough. Like just, it, it, maybe if they say enough positive things, then, then you go, now I feel good enough. If I date that person and they, they do all the right things, then I'll feel good enough. And we have a dysfunctional need for affirmation. And here's where it's really challenging when it comes to our spiritual life. We are looking for someone else to tell us what only God can Only God can look at us, see all our brokenness and wounding and say, I love you, you're my son and you're my daughter, I see you, and it transforms us. No other human being can give us that. And so we look for it, scramble for it. If I just get enough from other people, then I will be good enough. Maybe it's area of affirmation or maybe it's comparison. And you look at other people and you go, they're so much better than me. Like they have a better marriage, they have a better career, Their kids are well-behaved, their house is clean, they have better clothes, a nicer car, and you you feel this sense of inferiority because you compare yourself. You're not thinking about who does God say you are, you're thinking about who am I in relation to someone else. And there can be the part that actually drags you down, but there's the other part of you that feels pride. You look at someone else and go, I would would never do that, (laughs) that person. And you go, if that's you, there's some areas there that there's, that there's a shadow side to that. That that is not a healthy or helpful thing. And in conjunction to the first one around conflict, maybe it's people-pleasing. You just go, 
I just want to keep everyone happy. I've been in situations and family where there's a lot of conflict and tension. I just want to, it's all good, it's fine, it's great. And, and you stretch yourself so thin that you, you basically kill yourself trying to, in the middle, stand in the middle and make everyone else right. And you carry a weight that was never meant for you to carry to try to fix everyone else. You are not the Savior. You are not Jesus. And so you have this area in your life that you go, but, but I just have to make it right because if it's not right, then I'm not okay. That's called a shadow. That's an area that, that needs some reflection. Maybe it's judgmental perfectionism where you, I, I, I think about even with perfectionism how there are some people that are perfectionists that um, if they can't do it perfectly, they just won't do it at all. But then there's the other ones that are like, I'm gonna do it so perfectly. And I'm gonna earn God's love. I'm gonna show him that he, what he did was good. See, look at me. Am I good enough now? And then in comparison to others, we're like, but not them. They're not good enough. They're not doing what all that I'm doing. You go, that should be a massive red flag and indicator for us that there's something out of whack. Or maybe it's outbursts of anger. Like you just find yourself losing it. And you're like, why? Why am I angry? Why is this bothering me? Why do I feel like, a, like an exposed nerve? Like if someone says something or does something or cuts me off in traffic and I'm like, I'm, I go full, all the way to 11. Why is that? And for some of us, you just kind of go like, I don't know, that's just who I am. Or... Maybe it's hiding something. Maybe there's something below that. Have you asked why? Why am I doing this? I want you to think for a moment. I'll give you a couple, a couple minutes to think. Are there areas in that, in how you relate to others that reflect what you think is your shadow? And I added other in there because maybe you go, no, I know what it is and it's not in here. And I want you to take a moment right now and I want you to, I want you to select one or two at the most after some reflection, your shadow in relation to others. Okay, next I want to talk about our areas of woundedness, our shadow in relation to ourself. First one there, condemnation. I, I see this where there's this sense of going, I can never do enough. I'm such a mess. I am, I am, I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm not worthy of other people's love. Like I, I just, I constantly screw up this voice of condemnation, and I want to just let you know that's not God. God does convict, and sometimes conviction does not feel good, but God does not say you are the sum total of who you were on your worst day. He says, in Jesus, you are the sum total of who my son is. And so there are areas for some of us that you go, I really struggle with this feeling of condemnation. Or maybe on the other side, you struggle with letting yourself off the hook. Where you're like, eh, it doesn't matter. It, it matters. 
You're like, well, I know, I know God says some things, but whatever. Like, listen, I'm just doing my thing, just doing my thing. And I would suggest to you that there's some areas in there that that's a, a warning flag and a, and, a, and a a red light of going, hey, um, something there, because what's below the surface of that? Because Jesus doesn't give us permission to do that. Jesus says things like, die to yourself, lay down your life. And if you find yourself consistently going, you know what, he said that, but uh, that should be uh, an area that we identify. Or maybe, and this is when I even was sharing with, with some of my reflection, maybe it's in the areas of how you cope, whether you numb because I know that the harm and the, the extension of numbing yourself can lead people to all sorts of different addictions because you're chasing that just momentary, I feel a little bit better. And you can look at that and go like, well, you know, I don't, I don't deal with addictions like I, any kind of pills or drugs. But stats show that many people deal with the addictions of hopping on websites they should not be hopping on for the momentary feeling that they just feel a little bit better to numb themselves, to go, I, didn't, I avoided the thing that was difficult, but I, I, I feel momentarily better until you don't, and we get into that shame spiral. And for so many of us, we avoid dealing with the things that we need to actually deal with. And so maybe you find yourself, you find yourself distracting yourself or numbing yourself and, and, and soothing yourself in ways that are not helpful. Or what about a tendency toward isolation? You deal with difficult things and you back away from people. You isolate yourself. And you go, you know what, I, I'll figure it out by myself. I can just do that. And that hasn't worked out for you. But you're like, oh, that's, it's easier this way because if people see me, then I risk being hurt. And, and so you isolate yourself. And I just want to let you know that that is not how you're supposed to live. And it's harmful because we all have blind spots and community in beauty can help us work through that and heal through those things. Maybe like many of us in 2023, the struggle is consumerism. If I can just buy that new thing, then I'll feel better. If I can just get more clothes, if I can just consume more stuff, then I'll feel better. And you get the stuff and you feel great for like 20 minutes and then you go, what else can I get? And I just want to suggest to you that that mentality, and though it is pervasive, it should be an indicator going, what are we trying to solve? What are we trying to make better? What are we trying to soothe? What are we trying to fix? What, are, what hole are we trying to fill? Instead, we're like, I'll just buy more stuff. I don't want to even really work through that. And I'm going, let's work through that. Consumerism. Maybe it's something else. So take a moment and, and select one or two things or maybe write in the other this is what I think my area of shadow, my shadow is impacting myself. Okay, the next one, work and school. And it's connected in some ways to others with affirmation, but I think our view of success to somehow make us feel good enough. If I just make enough money, if I work for the right people, if I get the job I've always dreamed of, then I will feel 
good. It'll, it'll solve all my things. My boss says I'm great, then I'm great. My boss says I suck, I'm the worst. And our identity is found in our activity and external factors, and it ends up crushing people. Or how do you find yourself responding to setbacks when you're dealing with something that, that didn't work out in a, in a healthy or helpful way? Do you find, your, like that just ruins you. When it doesn't happen exactly the way you thought it should or planned it to your, the, the, all the little steps, all the goals, when it doesn't work out exactly like that, do you just go, you know what, I'm done. I, I give up, I'm not even gonna try anymore. Or do you go, I'm doubling down and I'm gonna, I'm gonna control this. Warning, if that's your response. Or what about this? When I, then I will finally be good. This one is my, my favorite that I see all the time where you go, okay, when I, so when I finish school, then I'll be good. Then things will really change. You know, I'll have time for God then. I'll really work on myself then. And then you're like, well, when I get a, when I get a job, a good job, then I'll be good. Or, or, or when I finally date someone that's great, that'll solve all my problems. Or when I, when I finally get married, then I'll be good. Or when I get that new house, then I will be good. When I, when I have the kids, then I will be good. And you always find yourself looking at the next thing to somehow solve the thing below the things. And the problem is that none of it does. Because you get the next thing and you go, oh man, that's hard. Uh, what else you got? Maybe the next thing. And it causes us so much damage. Maybe one of the, the challenges, and this is a substantial one, and in February we're gonna go through a series on Sabbath and actually embracing rest. Maybe it's an inability to stop working. Maybe it's this tendency to be busy. And I would suggest, again, this is avoiding if I can just fill my time with more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. Dude, what are you running from? Because for some of us, it's like I'm running from my family. I'm running from my kids. I'm running from the difficult things that I need to deal with. And if I just do more, then that will somehow solve everything. But it doesn't. We have an epidemic of busyness, and it's killing people. There's all these studies that talk about in the 60s where they're predicting that we would work less and less because there was gonna be more automation and we actually work way more and are more unhappy. <laughs> and you go, oh, do you think maybe that's a, a signal that there's some things that are out of whack? Maybe that's your challenge or maybe it's the other side and it's laziness. You're like, ah, I really can't be bothered to do a whole lot of anything. And you just kind of let life pass you by. And, and I would suggest to you that, that that is not the way that we're intended to live either. And so reflect on that. Which one or two of those do you find yourself, that you find yourself struggling with and, or maybe there's another one? And, and I want to just let you know as you're filling it out that you're not, you're not like committing to this where you go, well, that's it forever there's going to be moments even of reflection and I would encourage you to take the sheet of paper home and go, is that true? What do I think? Are there people around me that can speak into that? But my desire is to begin the process of helping us to notice and name our shadow. Notice and name our, our gaps, our weaknesses, and ultimately the things that are actually creating disconnect between us and God, us and others. 
the things in our life that are harming us, not helping us, that we have just tried to ignore. And you'll see below that there's this section that says lies I'm believing, because one of the things that I've noticed about those areas is that they actually have a lie at the root. So you go, the lie might be, so I'm gonna distract myself to feel good because the lie at the core of it is that, that my life is only successful if everything is good and everything is easy. That I am good enough if everything is simple. Or maybe you, you, you work your tail off because you go, my identity and the lie that I'm believing is that I'm good enough if I do enough. Then I'm good. Then maybe God will love me enough because I don't love myself. And those aren't true. And so for us to look at the areas, of the, the immaturity or the gaps or the, the weaknesses or the woundings in our life and to go, what is below the surface of that? Where does that come from? Does it come from my parent or a teacher saying at one point, well, you'll never actually be good enough. And you go, they're probably right, so I'll just never try. Or did it come from someone saying, when you crush something perfectly, you are only valuable now, and so you just go, I gotta get that again. I gotta find that again. Is it because you had relationships with people that, that harmed you, and you just went, if I could find the right person that completes me, then I will be good. What's the lie beneath the area that represents our shadow? Beneath the area of emotional unhealth, what is the lie? Generally, the lies for us are about what would make our lives better or make us happy. Lies about God's best for our lives, God, God's design for our lives. And so I want you to take some time and consider your shadow and the lie that is connected to it. And if you, if you know the lie, if you go, I can remember the thing, or I, I can tell what it is, I want you to, to write it down, but I know that some of you in the room are like my wife, Lee, who need time to reflect. That go, I need to think through some of this. I need to process this a little bit more, and my encouragement would be to, to do that, to reflect on those lies beneath the surface, because when we reflect on the lies, when we expose the lies, we are able then to speak God's truth into them. We expose them to the light, and we're able to work through them. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This is the tip of the iceberg, but imagine if we ended 2023 healthier and more transformed into the image of Jesus because we actually are willing to confront the things that we've been avoiding for so long. Imagine if we went, God, I want you in all, I want you to confront and challenge all of me. I want you to heal and, and restore all of me. I want community to help restore all of me so that I could look more and more like your son Jesus. As a church, we exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus and people see Jesus through us as the church first and foremost. And if we have these massive areas that look like everyone else where we have wounding and darkness and dysfunction, we do not represent an alternative to the community where they go, how do I get that? 
And so I want us to take steps towards reflecting areas in our life where there is a need for growth that has been stunted and disconnected. Our, my prayer, our prayer, Lee and I's prayer for us is that we, be, we would become the kind of people that God is inviting us to become. That God would do significant things in 2023 through us as collective, but first and foremost in us as individuals. That he would restore and redeem that which, would has, which has been broken. That he'd transform us from the inside out so that we could make a difference to those in our community. And so I, I don't know what your process through going through any of this has been like. Maybe you go, um, this sucks, I hate this, Tyler's the worst, and that's okay, keep that to yourself. <laughs> maybe you're going like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't like this, or maybe you're going, I know exactly the areas, and, and I just find myself repeating it. I find myself in this pattern that I'm all too familiar with. And I want to give you a couple of I want to give you a couple of next steps. One is the prayer team is going to be up here. A couple of people from the prayer team are going to be up here. And if you go I, I need I need to unburden myself with someone and ask someone to pray for me, our prayer team would love to do that. They they would love to listen to you and lay hands on you and pray for you and pray with you. But I want to do something that, that I don't normally do, but because it's a smaller group, I, I think that it, it, there's value in it. If, if you have some areas that this has brought to the surface, but you're not really sure, what do I do with it, or what's the root of this, or what's maybe my next step, um, I'd love to be able to talk to every single person afterwards, but that, that's not realistic. What I would love for you to do is if you're going, I could use a little bit of help to, to figure out some of this or to go a little bit deeper, to email me at tyler at collectivechurch.ca and I will make time this week. We'll do like 30-minute phone calls or video calls to connect with you because I'd love to be able to just talk through some of that and go, here's what I'm learning, here's what I've learned, here's some, maybe there's, I have this one book that my grandparents gave me that's, all God's promises in the Bible. Like maybe it's actually working through what's the truth that God says, or maybe it's getting to the root of it. Point is, I, I, we wanna help. And so I don't want us just go, well, you know, notice and name your shadow, and then best of luck. Typically what would happen is I'd be pushing this into our co-groups, but we're not launching those yet. And so I think there's an opportunity, if you want it, I wanna make myself available for a, a phone call or a video call. If, you, if you're like, I do not wanna be on a video call, I get it. But if you do, I'm good with that too. I wanna make time this week. After I, I'm taking Monday, so after Monday, so Tuesday through the rest of the week, Tyler at collectivechurch.ca, I'd love to make time to talk to you on the phone or talk to you on video. I want us to become people that grow in becoming increasingly healed and whole people that know who we are in God, that know who we are through Jesus, that don't live in our past and all our woundedness and our brokenness, but instead allow him to tell a new story through and for us. And so I, you can go to the prayer team, you can email me. I do have, I do have something. I have uh, at the bottom, so I am a reader, so if you ever want recommendations, I will, I will always give them. 
But if you're just wondering, what would it look like for me on my own time to just take some steps toward this? There's a couple of things. You can read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's very valuable. But one of the books that we got for the team, for all the people that serve and volunteer their time in order to make this happy, is this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. It's 40 days, twice a day, of actually working through our stuff, being with God, allowing him to, to, to slow us down because oftentimes we run and run and avoid because we are avoiding the things that we need to deal with and God's trying to get our attention in. And so my encouragement would be to, to actually get this book. And, and even more than that, I have five copies that the first five people that come over, if, they, if you don't have it, that come over to Next Steps, they'll be over there, I'll give you a copy. Because I, I think that there's significant value in us actually taking steps together. The other one I have down there is a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, and I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. But I want to remind us of why this matters. You'll see it on, the, on this page. One of the great truths of life is this. You cannot change what you're unaware of. However, once we acknowledge our shadow, both its root causes and expression, its power over us is diminished if not broken. I want that for us. I want that for each one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to have all the areas of our life that we try to keep hidden exposed and healed through Jesus. I wanna invite you to stand up for a, a moment and I wanna, I wanna pray a priestly blessing over each of you. This is found in, in number six, 24 to 26. This is a, a priestly blessing. So I wanna, I, I'd love for you to close your eyes and put out your hands in a posture of receiving. And I wanna pray this over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.